Do you easily get overwhelmed with social media? And I know that sounded like an introduction to an ad, uh, but it's an honest question. Uh, if you're like most entrepreneurs, including myself, social media is an area of constant confusion, considering how platforms quickly appear, change, seemingly disappear overnight. And if you've been following me for a while, you know I am no expert on this topic. I have a love-hate relationship with social media, but it's important and it's asked about all the time in my community. So that's why I invited Brock Johnson onto today's episode. He's a social media master, and I saw him speak about four years ago at a Kajabi conference. He's only 25. He's a seven-figure entrepreneur with a passion for helping others grow their following and business on Instagram. His story is incredible. He started way back in 2017 with an e-course, and it's evolved over the years. He's worked with tens of thousands of creators, helping them grow their social media following. He's a co-host of a top 10 business podcast. He's got multiple online courses. He's a meta consultant, viral social media creator, and he's basically a leading expert in the field of social media growth and short form video. Uh, I loved our episode because we got to cover not only the high-level principles and strategy of social media, which are really more important than tactics, but we got really, really granular as well on platforms like Instagram and how to think about gaining traction on a platform like Instagram today. And he gave so many golden nuggets. It's so, so juicy. He was so generous and pulled back the curtain. This is one of the reasons why I think Brock does so well on social media is that there's no vanity. There's no man behind the curtain. He just says, says what he means and explains what works. And he's just honest and transparent. I think you're going to get that in this episode. And you're going to learn a lot and you're going to be able to apply it to your social media platforms right away. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Brock Johnson. Well, Brock, I'm pumped to have you on the show. Um, I, I was like telling you before we hit record, I first was introduced to you. I, I knew of your your mom and what she was doing through mm -hmm. probably other Kajabi stuff that had been mentioned, seen some interviews, but I didn't know you until the Kajabi Impact Summit in 2019. Um, and you were one of the keynote speakers and you were the guy that introduced me and probably a whole bunch of the world to TikTok mm -hmm. circa 2019. And you were like, this is like the wild, wild west of social media. Like yeah. get in there now, just, you do a bunch of dancing. And I'm like, what? Well, I didn't yeah. understand it, but I remember thinking, I don't know, but I knew that you were right. I was like, if I cared about social media and if I were smart, I would jump on this thing now. Cause it seemed like it was inside Intel and boy, would that have been so smart, but bro, you were singing the praises of, uh, of TikTok back in the day. So you're, you're a smart guy, man, but all that to say, it's a long way to say, glad to have someone like you on the show to help our people out. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me, Graham. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Uh, I wish I could say that I was just like some crazy marketing genius who, who had a magic eight ball that knew and knew TikTok was going to blow up. But in reality, I was just someone who had downloaded the app because it looked fun. Um, and then I had some fun and I had some success and I just wanted to tell other people like, Hey, Hey, you can do this too. It is the wild west. That was a great way, um, to describe it back then. Uh, so I was just trying to, to help spread the good news. So it was genuine. I love it. Yeah. I mean, you seemed that way because you, I remember your keynote at the time was you were teaching how to sell through story. Mm -hmm. It was a really cool uh, framework. And 
And then I remember you, you were like, dude, here's a great platform that you can sort of like in a whole different way, share mm. stories uh, in a unique creative way. And it did seem very like organic and natural. Like, Hey, I'm liking this. You should check it out too. Um, anyway, it, it totally, totally worked. Although I didn't jump on TikTok. <laughs> I just, I have my own, my own barriers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but dude, I want to get into it. I want to talk about all those things, but I want to get into your story because you've started so young. You've been so successful, so young. Um, and from what I understand, you got into entrepreneurship by teaching mothers a very important skill. Can you t tell us a little <laughs> bit about what that is and tell me about how you got to what you're doing? Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's the the funnest way I've heard it introduced. Is I taught mothers a very important skill. Um, funny enough, full circle. My first uh, business was a little tiny course on Kajabi, uh, which was part of the reason that I was fortunate enough to speak at their inaug inaugural conference uh, back in 2019 when I was 22 at the time. Um, but yeah, my first business was. I was helping moms keep their teens safe on Snapchat. So very much in the way how the last few years, everyone's been so scared of TikTok. Back in 2016, when I launched that business, everyone was scared of Snapchat. Um, and so that was my first business. And I had just taught my own mom and my own parents how to use Snapchat. And I was like, well, I could teach other moms how to use it, which is a huge part of the battle of uh, keeping kids safe on Snapchat or keeping kids safe on any app, really, is just knowing what the heck's going on and how to use it. Um, and so that was essentially what the first course was. And I think I sold it uh, for like $19.99 and I put it together super rough. It was filmed like um, on my phone. It was filmed in a little tiny room that I had reserved at the local library. Um, and, and that was the first course, yeah, launched on Kajabi. Good for you, man. I'm literally Thanks. neck deep in this. My 13-year-old brought a, a PowerPoint presentation to my wife and I <laughs> two nights ago, no lie, on Snapchat. I want to be on Snapchat. And she's smart. She led with the cons. Here are the cons of Snapchat. Mm. She led with those. Yeah. Here are the pros. Here are some of the safety features that you can turn on. Here's some YouTube videos you should watch. So she, I was proud of her and good sales pitch. To yeah, me, that but, sounds um, great. She's, a, she's smart. <laughs> Yeah, she I love it. She's going to like she identify with your pain points. She's going to recognize yes. the cons, be like, hey, I recognize these are here, uh, but here's why I should still be on Snapchat. I love it. That's that's awesome. I know. It was like a full circle dad moment of like, ah, oh, she probably watched some sales copy course and, like, <laughs> and pitched me. And I'm very proud of her in this, whether I say yes or not. Like, mm -hmm. I think she's it's a win in my book. I love that. That's awesome. So that's so cool. So, I mean, I love I love how simple of a start that was like mm -hmm. something you were helping people do. Um, and you, or you helped people around you and you're like, I could help more people mm -hmm. um, do this. And you just jumped right in. Like, but real quick though, like what, what made you have the confidence to just be like, I could make a course about this. Like, I think a lot of people see ideas. Oh, I thought of that back when, you know, but mm -hmm. they didn't do anything about it. Like you did something and you launched a course. Is that just the way you are? Is, did you, I mean, I know you, you have an entrepreneurial family. Did, were you mm -hmm. just in that bent of like, Oh yeah, this is what we do. When you have an idea, you just launch something. Yeah. So I think, first of all, it would be uh, silly of me to ignore the fact that I was raised in a super entrepreneurial family. My entire life, entrepreneurship was the norm and working a nine to five, getting a tr traditional job, getting a college degree, like those things were the abnormalities of my childhood life. So that's definitely a part of it. And also I had the financial means and the support from my parents to be able to kind of just get me going and get me started with that initial Kajabi course. Um, I was also raised to be very confident in myself and my ideas. Uh, my parents were always honest with me, but they also always supported anything my sister or, or myself ever wanted to do. Um, and then also, I think that personally speaking, that course was born out of a, a place of necessity um, because I was a student athlete 
playing college football. Um, and so between books and ball, I had very little free hours in the day. And I knew I wouldn't be able to have this traditional nine to five job and be able to provide for myself. Uh, so my internal desire was to cut the financial umbilical cord from my parents and become financially independent, start providing for myself. And I also knew at that same time, I, like I just said, couldn't do that, you know, working at, at McDonald's down the street because I just couldn't work the hours necessary. Um, so I knew that really entrepreneurship, starting my own thing was the only option at that point. Um, and early on, my mom gave me a great piece of advice, which is that, um, you know, we all want to chase our passions, follow what we love to do and, and find joy in our, in what we're creating. Uh, but oftentimes when we're first getting started in entrepreneurship, you got to kind of enter into the pain cave and embrace the suck a little bit, um, and, and pick the route that's going to get you the quickest win or that's going to see financial returns fastest rather than the thing that's going to bring you the most creative fulfillment. And instead, if you start with the thing that's going to be most profitable, then you can build that up, maybe even make it something that's passive or really easy to sustain and grow without you having to do that much for it. And then a few years from now, now you have the freedom to chase those creative passions uh, as freely as you want because you know that the finance department is taken care of. That's a great, that's a great point. Have, have you felt like you've been able to bridge that gap now where you're at a point where you're able to do the creative work that you love because the finances are taken care of by other business endeavors? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that Snapchat course very quickly evolved into a way to help business owners grow on Snapchat, which then grew into a way to help business owners grow using story. And that's what I spoke at the Kajabi Summit about. And the emphasis on story was because what made Snapchat great was Snapchat stories. And then what Instagram stole and what made Instagram great for a few years was Instagram stories. And so the common thread with all these platforms was stories. And I used to incorporate into my speech that like even GoPro and, and like match.com, all of these different things, they had, they had stories. Um, those were the big wave before TikToks and reels and these like short form videos. Before that, it was story. Um, but all of that to just say, my business definitely did pivot a lot. And with each pivot, I think I got closer and closer to what I was truly passionate about and what I truly love to do. But now I'm able to have multiple different income streams and do things that have zero financial gain and are truly 100% passion projects and that even lose money. Um, I think of my wife and I, we have a YouTube channel that we post weekly uploads on. Like we do a vlog or some sort of YouTube video every week now for almost two years. And that's uh, ROI negative. Like we're losing lots of money every single year. And my, my wife, she, she's like our CFO. She does all of our, our finances. And she's always like, no, this is, this is a bad investment financially speaking. <laughs> but for us, it's fun. Like we have this video documentary one day, if we're lucky enough to have kids, we'll be able to, you know, force them to sit on the couch and watch what mom and dad were like 15 years ago. Yes, um, so, yes. so it's fun. It, it's enjoyable. Um, but it definitely has no, uh, financial benefit. I love, I love that. And I a hundred percent champion that. And I, my story is similar. I feel like I've pivoted and I'm even doing another sort of pivot or evolution this year, let's say, but mm -hmm. like you said, getting closer and closer to what you're really passionate about. And, and for some people, maybe they know where they want to end up and it's, it's an eventual journey there for me. I'm like discovering, I've loved everything I've done. And I thought that was the thing. And I'm like, Oh, but I like this and Oh, and I like this. And so I'm like discovering as I mm -hmm. pivot and getting into what I love, but I love that you have the freedom financially to be able to lose money on something that you love, which is so, so important. And other ways mm -hmm. to look at that are if you want to 
volunteer at your church or in your community, like you're literally not getting paid. You're losing your time to do that. But if you have the financial means through something else, then you can do these other things that you care deeply about, but there is no financial ROI. There's different ROI. And totally. so I love that kind of freedom. Um, well, let's just, just jump into some of the stuff. You talked about the flow from Snapchat into Instagram. Uh, and I believe like Instagram is, is, is it true? That's your platform of choice these days in terms of where you're, you're diving in. Yeah. That's my bread and butter. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Like the big problem I hear is, and I don't feel like I'm the guy to answer it. Hence why I brought you on is there's so many platforms and mm -hmm. there's newer platforms popping up. How, how do we choose one or should we choose one? Mm -hmm. And why did you choose Instagram as your default platform choice? Yeah. Um, so this is a great question. Um, and, and there's no right answer. I want to say that off the bat. There's no, you know, one platform is right or wrong. Um, unless you're choosing like MySpace, like if it's truly <laughs> that dead, you might be wrong, but Hey, you might be like the one business owner who is still on MySpace, and maybe you're going to crush it. I don't know. Um, but I think there's, there's some questions to ask yourself. Uh, number one, what's your long-term goal or, or even what's your near-term goal? Those are both great questions to ask yourself, um, in your business. Are you looking for more organic reach and you're really just trying to establish a name for yourself and get more eyeballs for your business? Or are you someone who wants to convert high ticket sales for a very small niche community of people. Uh, those are important things to consider. I think it's also important to consider what are you good at slash uh, what are you drawn to? What are your strengths in terms of content? Uh, because every single social network has slightly different expectations for content. I mean, obviously, like we think of podcasting is primarily audio. Now, of course, there's video podcasts as well. Uh, but then you compare that to like YouTube, where it's all video, or Instagram, where it's short form vertical video that's made for a phone, or TikTok, which is very raw, imperfect vertical video, again, also made for a phone. Twitter is all about text-based content and how well of a story and how good of a copywriter are you. So we all have different different strengths. And I think it's silly to think that uh, you're going to be able to show up in all of these places with the same consistency um, and with the same skill. You can get to that level. But when you're first starting out, what I recommend um, is think about some of those questions that I just brought up and then pick one platform to put not quite all of your eggs, but let's say like 10 out of the dozen eggs, put most of your eggs in that one platform. And then, you know, dabble in the other platforms, maybe have a, a software, get one of these like tools that allows you to repurpose content really easily and post it onto other platforms. But if you're trying to grow on every single platform at the same time, it's going to be impossible to get off the ground. But instead, if you just put most of your eggs, like I was saying, in this one basket, uh, let's say Instagram, just for argument's sake, you can get better at that a lot faster. You can grow a lot faster. You're going to learn things and eventually you'll create systems. So maybe, you know, a little bit less than a year from now, you're like, oh, okay, I got Instagram under my belt. I'm growing pretty consistently. I can create content for a week in like an hour. So now I can start to put some of my energy and effort into TikTok or Twitter or, or streaming on Twitch or going live on YouTube, things like that. Um, and then you can start to, you know, branch out in these other, these other platforms. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I know you've coached a ton of people on like growing their Instagram following, let's say. So mm -hmm. what are some of like the biggest mindset shifts um, that students have during this process? Like maybe a script that they're telling themselves about the way Instagram works or the way they have to show up and you're helping them say, no, it, it, think about it this way. Or, you know, they have high expectations, but maybe they need to lower their expectations. Like what, what are those shifts that you're having to coach them through? 
Totally. Great question. So in terms of mindset, uh, one of the first things that you have to recognize about Instagram is that it's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of time to grow a big following. Sure, you can go viral overnight. You can grow a huge following overnight. But the vast majority of accounts are going to take years to grow. People look at my growth, which has been a thousand followers per day now for about two years. I think I, I'm actually just now literally realizing it that four days ago marked the two year mark and I should have made a post about that to celebrate it, but I don't know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do it later today. But anyways, it's been two years straight of being hyper consistent, minimum of one reel per day, multiple other feed posts and stories per day, a thousand new followers per day. And people look at that and that, you know, helps me get on stages and get podcast interviews because that's crazy. But what they don't see is the 10 years leading up to that where I grew 40,000 followers over the course of 10 years and it was super slow growth, super inconsistent. And really the majority of those 40,000 came in the last few months before this viral growth. Like really in the first eight of those 10 years, I maybe grew like 10,000 followers. So it's super slow. Um, but we have this, this idea, this misconception that's going to be fast. It's going to be instant, right? Instagram, instant. Um, and it's going to be overnight when in reality it's not. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of consistency and hard work. That's the first mindset shift. The second mindset shift uh, that I think people need to recognize is that the grass ain't always greener. So a lot of people think that, uh, you know, Instagram's dying and I need to jump to TikTok. And then I'm on TikTok and now TikTok might get banned. So I need to jump to YouTube. And then, oh my gosh, YouTube's super saturated because it's been around forever. And on average, it takes over 100 videos to reach a thousand subscribers. So I'm going to jump ship to one of these brand new platforms that just came out. Um, and then they rush over to Clapper, which is like a brand new app. And then two months later, Clapper dies out and everyone's like, yeah, we're kind of over it. That was just a fad. And then now you're just constantly scrambling, jumping from platform to platform. The grass isn't always greener. The grass is greenest where you water it, where you consistently tend to it and take care of it. Um, and so stick with the platform. And then the third thing that I'll say, and this one, people hate to hear this. I remember yeah, I the like first time I ever made, I remember the first time I made a post saying this, it like, it went what I call VFM, viral for me, did really well. Um, and it was because it got people riled up. And what I said is, you're not shadow banned, it's your content. And there's this idea that on social media, if our posts aren't doing well, but we think they're good, well, then it must be something, some, you know, superior power, the algorithms, big tech, Mark Zuckerberg personally has a vendetta against us. And those things just aren't true. A lot of times people will be like, well, you know, a couple of years ago, I made a post uh, that was a little bit political. And I think Instagram doesn't like me for that. And sure, there's like 0.0001% of people who might have said something and got their account disabled. Maybe they had thousands of people report them and they're still feeling the effects of that. But for most of us, for us two speaking today and for 99.9% .9 of people watching or listening, um, you're not shadow banned. It's just a, it's a matter of your content. It's a matter of, uh, creating content that is not just valuable, like entertain, like, uh, you know, educating or useful, but is entertaining and captivating and stops people's scroll. There's so much that goes into it. Um, that even myself, when I think I make something that is like great and it doesn't perform well, I know that's not because the algorithm hates me and Instagram's against me. It's just a matter of my audience didn't engage with that content. So what can I learn from that content, um, to improve it for the future? I love that. Taking ownership of the content. Mm -hmm. I've, 
you know, I've heard someone say, and, and maybe Sean Cannell said this, because I'm on YouTube, that's mostly my platform, but it's like, it replaced the word algorithm with audience. Like the audience mm. doesn't like your content, Yeah, you know, if it's not doing well, or if it does well, the audience liked it. So it's, mm. it's really, you have to win over people at the end of the day. It's funny, the whole concept of the algorithm almost it almost is a bad way to think about it because you're trying to understand what the algorithm wants and you're thinking yeah. about it like it's a machine. But mm -hmm. if you could just give people what people want, people mm -hmm. are always the same, always will be the same, then you will grow on a platform. Whether whether it's speaking on stages or writing books, like you have to create the content that people want. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So Absolutely. Anyway, I mean, the, the algorithm is people. The algorithm's job is to serve people with what they want to see. So if the algorithm is serving people content that they don't want to see, that's the worst business model I've ever heard of. If any of these social networks was consistently showing people what they don't want to see, uh, it would die. It wouldn't last because people would be like, I don't like this. This isn't enjoyable. I'm going to go scroll on TikTok. I'm going to go watch some YouTube videos instead. I'm going to go for a walk. Um, and so it's the algorithm's job to make sure people are seeing content that they want to see. So if you're posting content that people aren't enjoying watching, well then of course the algorithm is not gonna show it to more people. That makes so much sense. So you you mentioned, I mean, it's amazing, a thousand new followers a day, mm -hmm. but you mentioned minimum one reel per day, other platform posts, which I'm guessing could be, you know, feed pictures, it could be the mm -hmm. stories, you know, you could go live on Instagram, whatever it is. That sounds like a lot, mm -hmm. right? So talk to the person who's like, Brock, I don't have time for that. Like I'm, I'm filming my online course. I've got my podcast or my YouTube content or I'm whatever. I'm running my paid community in Kajabi. Like, and I get the need to be on social. Like how do we do social well? Um, and I get it. It's like, you know, you reap what you sow. So if you sow more seed, you'll reap more harvest. But how can I do it well and strategically and feed the audience what they want and the algorithm that it wants, but it not be a full-time job in and of itself if that's not my main job. It's like a marketing channel for my business. What, what do you say to someone like that who's like, walls go up and like, ah, I can't do this? Yeah, um, I say it's awesome that their walls went up because at least they're able to recognize that those walls are there. Um, like you just said, it's not my full-time job. I'm building this course. Uh, well, it is my full-time job. So I think that comparison is the thief of joy. And if you're going to compare your content or your output to my output or anyone else's output, you don't know my full story. You don't know everything that's going on behind the scenes. Um, Personally, I have, I think, a dozen team members between my wife and I that personally directly work under us. And if we extend that out to um, our other business streams, things that we like co-own with uh, Team Johnson, which is my parents' company, if we think about uh, things that I'm like a manager of, or I oversee, or I advise on, you know, we're talking about 20, 30 people. And a lot of times, people who are seeing my content are one-man shows. They're solo entrepreneurs. And, uh, you know, they're a mom who's trying to build a side hustle late at night after she puts the kids down, and she's comparing herself to me, and I have, I have a team of 30 people behind me. Um, and so I think that's unrealistic. I think that there are always going to be different seasons within business. I'm a big uh, proponent of the idea of the seasonality of business and just of life in general. Um, right now, this is my full-time job. I don't have kids. I have my wife and our two dogs. It's not a lot to take care of. Um, and I'm not going to school anymore and I'm not playing college football. This whole content thing in my business looked very different four years ago when I was playing college football and when 
half of my day was preoccupied with practice or weightlifting or going to class. Um, and so I think just being realistic about what you can sustain is a way better question to ponder than how much should I post? How, you know, how many things should I post per day? How many reels? What's the, what's the ideal number? Well, the ideal number is different for every single one of us. And the better question is what can I consistently sustain? And then I'll add one more little tangent onto that, which is what can I sustain? And then how can I challenge myself to do just a little tiny bit more? Because it's that challenging yourself to push outside of your comfort zone, to get off the couch, to, to just do a little bit more than what you're comfortable with. That's when the true growth comes in life and on social media. Hey friend, we'll get back to the episode in just a moment, but I wanted to give you a gift for hanging out with me today. I want to give you my 30-day online income jumpstart guide. This is a four-week checklist bullet points to go from zero audience, zero customers, maybe even zero idea of what your business should be to putting money in your pocket 30 days from now. It won't be a million dollars in 30 days, but it will be money in your pocket. You will have figured out your idea. You will have tested your idea. You will have launched your idea and taken massive action towards building a business and a life that you love. If you already know your business idea, but you've been sitting around and you haven't taken action on it, then you need this guide because it'll walk you through a four-week plan to go from where you are to putting money in your pocket in 30 days. And if you've never figured out what your business idea is and you have no followers online and no audience, it's okay. This will help you start at zero. I promise you. It's a PDF. It's fast. It's easy to read. It's not an ebook. You don't have to spend a lot of time on this. It's more about taking action and doing the right things in the right order. And it's free as my gift to you. So just go to grahamcochran.com slash jumpstart to get your 30-day online income jumpstart guide. It's grahamcochran.com slash jumpstart. Now back to the episode. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I appreciate you speaking to the seasonality of it. I have a lot of listeners and viewers who are all, all obviously all over the map. I, I, but it's interesting. One group that I see a lot more of is back to your original kickstart is, is moms mm. um, who, because of the power of the internet, they're like, I could start a side hustle. I could create some income on the side and my kids mm. nap time or when they're at school, depending on their age. And mm-hmm. so for whatever reason, they, they listen to me. Uh, maybe it's because I'm not standing in front of Ferraris and, and, and <laughs> yeah. doing all the, you know, yeah. you know, the world we're in. And so, um, <laughs> and, and so that, that's a whole season of life, right? I have two kids. I have a wife and she's got a business and I've seen her business have to ebb and flow based off of her availability and, and mine as well. And even their seasonality in my years, like in the summertime, I, I, I talk about this. I, I drop down to one day a week of work, maybe two um, so I have more time at home with the kids while they're home because I only have so many summers where I, they're around all day long. And so, um, I'm like, okay, how can I shift my business for this three month period of time? Um, and so I can take advantage of it in other ways. So I love that you spoke to that and also just sort of shared the, the reality of what's going on behind the scenes for you and what game you're playing. Something I always say on YouTube for people is like, you have to know what game you're playing on YouTube. When you see people mm-hmm. posting certain types of content or doing certain things, they might have their own game. Is it a game to be an influencer? Are they getting paid through brand deals and sponsorships? And th- then the game is a different game to play. Um, you could have a much smaller audience and push people to a lead magnet, which is not exactly what YouTube wants. But if it helps your game of growing your email list, which helps you sell courses, then you just have to know what game you're playing. Same in, in investing you know, in the stock market. Like, are you a day mm-hmm. trader? Or are you you know long-term investor? Like, those are two very different in game, games to be playing. So um, can, maybe, like, can you talk to the game that you are playing personally, 
uh, that might lead to having the big team and making it your full-time job. Just give for people that aren't like aware, like what is that big picture for, for you, the game you're trying to play so that they can say, Oh, maybe that isn't what the game I'm trying to play. Yeah. I love that question. Yeah. I, I love this. Um, I loved your, your personal story about how you cut it down to one day a week in the summer. And I'm going to take a mental note of that so that if my wife and I are lucky enough to have kids one day, that's something I would love to do. Right now we do something similar, not quite as uh, rigidly defined as that, but every winter, at least for the last few years, my wife and I uh, have traveled around in the winter in um, an Airstream trailer and snowboarded. I think today we got up to like 30 days this year snowboarding um, and Utah is getting dumped on with snow right now. So I wish I was still there. But um, anyways, that's besides the point. My point is uh, that, yeah, during during the winter, I, I cut way back on uh, content on what I'm doing in my business so that I have that freedom to do what I love, which is snowboarding. Um, but like big picture, long term, the game I'm playing is a lot of growth right now building the businesses as big as I can right now. I have uh, tons of boundaries in place to protect myself from from burnout um, and things like that. I'm not overworking myself. I'm very sensitive to uh, the reality and possibility of overworking myself. Um, so with that in mind, I'm still working as hard as I possibly can, pumping out as much content as I can right now to build the business, build all these different streams of income, which I think we're up to, I think 11, the last time we counted different streams. Um, so that I used to say one of my goals was to retire by the time I'm 30. Um, and I still think that that could be a goal of mine, but I think I've just reframed it because I know myself and I know I love creating content and I love working and I love coaching people and helping people. So I don't think I'll be able to turn 30, which is now like almost exactly four years away and just like turn off the light switch and, and just walk away from everything. I don't think I'll be able to do that. We'll see. Um, but I definitely think that by the time I'm 30 or by the time my wife and I have kids, um, I would love to really dial everything back and scale everything down. And so basically what I'm doing right now is I'm like a bear preparing for winter. So I'm in that season where it's like late summer and you watch the nature documentary and the bears are just like fat as heck and they're yeah. eating a ton of salmon. They're just like jumping them or grabbing as they jump them out of the river. Um, that's the season I'm in right now because I know that winter is coming and I know that I want to be prepared for that. Um, but I, I think, again, to go back to what we've been talking about, I think there are plenty of followers of mine and people who see me who um, they're in winter. They're in their hibernation right now. They're supposed to be nursing the newborn bear cubs that are in their den with them. And instead they're trying to catch fish at the same time. And um, I recognize that there's necessity in that. I recognize that I have the privilege right now of not having kids. And so I'm able to, you know, hustle and grind a little bit more, but that's the season I'm in. I so appreciate you sharing that. I think that gives, there's like, there's like a sub conversation happening here. That's just really powerful about, you know, your, your goals for your life and what life should look like and, and the way you want to show up in the world and the people you want to be with and the way you want to, the things you want to do and commit your time to. And then you being so intentional with your business to reach that goal and yours is a, a, everyone has a unique picture of what that looks like, but I always appreciate people sharing that uh, because it's so easy for us, especially in these kind of conversations um, where all we're doing is looking at the, the input and the output, like here's mm -hmm. what I'm doing, here's what I'm getting. And no one's talking about why or where are we going? And, yeah. and everyone has different, different goals for different reasons. And it could be a season. It could be a personality. It could be a set of like life ex experiences. Like that's, if I have a special needs child, my life is going to look very different yeah. than if I have perfectly healthy children that don't require as much additional work or time. And so the beauty is that you can build a business that sustains your life and serves your life, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and, and you need to start with your life and knowing your season. Um, so I just really appreciate you sharing all that because that makes a whole lot of sense. My guess Thanks. is you won't retire at 30. I think Probably you're, not. You're, you're too, <laughs> too creative. And I think that would be sad, right, to like not create. I think creating is yeah. the fun. It is the reward. But to your point, you know what season of life you're in mm -hmm. and you know how you want to take advantage of these years. Um, I, it's, it's funny, on the flip, I, I had a guy who emailed me one day who said, I love your content, I'm building an online business, but what I'm also doing is trying to like save up a ton of money so I can retire at 30, and he wanted to have you know, maybe two million in the bank and he could live off of the 4% you know, rule or whatever, mm -hmm, the FIRE mm -hmm. community. And I remember telling him, man, I love that. I mean, I, I nerd out on personal finance stuff all day, so like more power to you. Mm -hmm. I was like, but do you know, like, instead of like slaving away and socking away all your money, like you could, you said you're starting a business selling courses and my model is very passive oriented. Mm -hmm. I don't do a lot of launching and a lot of like, it's just automated. It's like, if you had an online business that paid you a hundred thousand dollars a year, like that's the same as having net, like, you know, 4 million, 5 million in the bank, depending on whatever your return yeah. is. Like, do you understand? Like, you don't have to wait to retire. You yeah. could think of it more as like a cash flow proposition and it could still fit your busy life right now and you don't have to give up whatever. So totally, all yeah. that to say, like, there's, these are different pieces. You could move around however you like, right? Totally, yeah. So anyway, I'm just nerding out. So I'm just <laughs> enjoying the conversation. Um, okay, so thank you for that. That's mm -hmm. very helpful. I think some people like a light bulb is going to go off for them. I don't want people to think, oh gosh, here's just another guy who's crushing it. I, I think you being candid is, is instructive to so many people like, oh, oh, there's more going on here I need to think about. And I need to think about what Brock's doing. Um, let's talk about real quick. So these platforms, they're changing all the time. That's like, that could be exhausting to somebody if they're not on it full time. Like, oh gosh, it changed again. And now people, like I just got good at stories. Now it's reels. Oh, now, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is. What are some of the newest changes though that you've seen with like Instagram, if we're talking about that and how have you pivoted personally to take advantage of them? Like what's working right now on Instagram that we should be aware of that's worth looking into? Totally. Um, Graham, do you spend very much time at all on Instagram? It's the only platform I personally enjoy. Okay. Um, so my team will post stuff for me, but it's the one I'll check every day and just for, for the people yeah. I'm following and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, when you're scrolling through and you see people doing uh, like a lip sync of like a trending audio from a song or from a movie, uh, does that, what, what's your reaction to that? I don't want to lead the witness. Does that fire you up? Does that kind of annoy you? Is it not that interesting? What, what are your thoughts? It's not my thing. Yeah. Okay. So you just echoed what about 77% of my audience also says, which is that they are over it. They've seen enough of the trending audio, lip sync, lip dub. It was super, super popular on TikTok in 2019 and 2020. It became super popular on Instagram when Reels launched in 2020 and in 2021. But as 2022 progressed, it lost its luster because, and this is one of the, the double-edged uh, sides of this sword, is that on one side, it was super easy for people to do. So it was a great way to, to learn reels and to start posting on Instagram and to uh, you know develop these skills. But at the same time, because it was so easy to do, everyone was doing it. And there was 30 million people doing the same exact trend, hence why it was be became a trend and these things are literally trending. Um, but people got over it. They got bored. They're like, okay, like I've seen enough. And it's not to say that those things don't work anymore. They definitely do. But our expectations for what makes a good lip sync have significantly increased. 
along those same lines, our expectation of what makes a quality, engaging, funny, captivating, educational, motivational, real, that has also increased. Um, so one of the biggest changes that I have personally made recently is I'm not really doing those lip sync trending audios anymore unless I think they're super funny or unless I think I have like some unique creative spin that I can put on it or if like I know I'm way ahead of the curve. Like I'm like, hey, no one's gonna know this audio. It has like 10 people have used it on TikTok. No one on Instagram is gonna hear about it for three more weeks. I'm gonna be the first one there. So in those cases, like I'll still use it, but for the most part, I'm hardly doing those. Where in 2020 or in 2022, excuse me, uh, I was doing one of those a day. Like every single day there was at least one lip sync. Now, I think the last time I did a lip sync was maybe a week ago and I'll maybe do one this weekend, maybe. So it's like once every week or two that I'm doing them. Um, And instead I'm focusing on creating a lot more valuable content, uh, creating a lot more educational reels that are also captivating at the same time. I've also started incorporating uh, the memes that these trends are based off of. So if you think about it, like let's get a little nerdy for a second and deconstruct this trend. This trend, this lip sync, is a soundbite from a movie. So instead of me lip syncing Will Ferrell and then putting some text over it, what if I actually put the thing that's proven to be funny that some uh, you know media company, some uh, entertainment company spent millions of dollars paying Will Ferrell to make this movie and it was a box office hit and this was the funniest scene from the movie, why don't I just take that little 10 second clip of him and then I'll put my text over it. I'll label him as the Instagram algorithm or whatever the punchline of the joke is. And now people immediately see it and they connect. They're like, oh, you know, this is Will Ferrell. This is this is this funny scene. And now I'm relating to it um, because Brock has added this title to it. And so these are great uh, kinds of posts, these like meme posts. They're great for eyeballs. They're great for engagement. Ultimately, though, they're not going to really show that much of my own personality or my own expertise, what I have to offer for people. And so the final thing that I'll say that's changed recently is Instagram CEO said, Hey, you know, last year, as in 2022, we went too far with reels. And so we're going to walk it back a little bit and we're going to balance out the reach between reels and non reels translation reels are going to be eating less reach than they were in the past, which 92% of my followers say their reels are reaching less people. They're getting less views. But they've also dialed up or increased the reach for photos and for carousels, which are like the slideshow posts. So I've been, now I've rehired my designer, who I stopped working with for a few months last year when carousel designs or carousels in general, they were getting like terrible reach. We stopped working together. Well, now they're back. Carousels are working well again. So I've brought back in my designer and I just basically send him content. I send him the text that I want him to create. He makes these these much uh, more readable designs than I could ever design myself. Um, and carousels are doing absolutely wonderful for me right now. Um, and not to jump too far ahead, but from a business perspective, carousels are also really powerful for converting people from just a passive follower into someone who's a lot more engaged in your business um, and is even entering into your direct messages or becoming a customer, becoming a lead. Uh, but those are the biggest changes to my Instagram strategy in, in mid-2023. Dude, that was so gold. Thank you for <laughs> Thank the specificity. You. I can attest to the, the carousels I actually really enjoy and I have some friends who are crushing it on Instagram and the, and it's it's good for me to see them. Like they're great copywriters. So mm. carousels coming back into popularity yeah. is great for them because that first 
line in that first slide of the carousel grabs you and then you yeah. see how effortlessly they they tie it in and by the end you're like oh my gosh i'm gonna sign up for their thing like <laughs> how did this happen it's just yeah. so well done so that's really cool um just like to get close to wrapping this up here like let's just make it super practical so if someone wants to gain traction on instagram today like mm-hmm. what are three things they can do right now to get started wherever they are just like you said it's slow it's going to take time anything worth building takes time what are three things people could do today to gain traction on instagram Absolutely. Um, I think my answer might surprise some people because I think some people might expect me to go down the route of consistency or talk about reels or even talk about things like hashtags. Um, But instead, I think we need to go back to the foundation. And a lot of people are trying to build a big house. Uh, They're trying to build a mansion, but the foundation that they've laid is really shaky and it's really, really not good. It's cracking. It's faulty. Uh, It's not going to pass inspection. Um, And so let's go back to the foundation and the foundation on Instagram, which is also the foundation. I think you would agree on YouTube and TikTok and pretty much everywhere else um, is knowing as clearly as you can possibly define it. What is your topic that you're going to be talking about? And let's get super specific and whom or who, I don't know which is which, who you are speaking to about that topic. So essentially, this is what a lot of people call your niche. And this is what I would call your niche. The who and the what are are step one for growth. Because if you don't know exactly where you're going, how can you expect someone to follow you? I mean, like it's imagine if you're walking down the street and a car pulls up next to you and rolls down their window and they're like, hey, do you know uh, how to get to Disneyland? And you're like, yeah, follow me, but I have no idea where I'm headed. Like what, of course they're not gonna follow you. Like you have to know exactly the who and the what or else people aren't going to follow you. And I think um, a lot of people think they know their niche. They're like, oh, well, I do fitness for women. That ain't specific. Or I, I do I do business uh, f- for people who left the corporate world. Like, okay, we're getting a little bit better, but let's get hyper-specific. Let's help moms over the age of 40 who are recovering from addiction lose weight with less than 30-minute at-home workouts. That's a real niche of one of our students. Like, that's hyper-specific. And when she identified that niche, that's when she grew from less than 1,000 followers to over 100,000 in a year. Because she was posting, you know, fitness for moms or weight loss tips for women, super vague. Let's get super specific about who you are going to attract. Then once you have that, plug that in everywhere. Put that in your username. Put that in your bio. Make sure that you're screaming that from the rooftops. No one cares that you're a Capricorn and a wine lover and a ski enthusiast and you have four dogs. Like those are great. And your nickname is like the Sparkles Marketing Ninja. Like those things are cool. That's great. You know, those are your fun facts. But when you're trying to convert a new follower, you have to, in three seconds or less, communicate to them, here's why you should follow me. Here's the specific problem I am going to solve for you and why you should follow me. So going back to those things, entering those things into your bio, and then all of your content and all the consistency, which I don't need to talk about consistency. Every coach in the history of the world has talked about consistency. Once you have those things, bake those into the consistency and all of the regular posting that you're doing solves this problem. It talks to this person. It addresses this topic. Then the growth will come, which again, like, you know, to bring this all the way back to what we started with today, the growth will come eventually. I love that. I mean, I think that's so, it's like not what people want to hear because they want something juicy and tactical, but um, I appreciate you going there because I I do think it's funny. People post content, post content, but Mm -hmm. the Instagram bio is a great a great platform for like having to express in a few amount of characters yeah. the who and the what. And 
like if you could spend uh, like a month figuring that out, like then you could probably skyrocket to your yeah. point of like building the deep foundation. That and and also, would you say that the moment you have that clarity of the who and the what to to the point where you know exactly who you're helping and what you're helping them do, doesn't that give you a sense of like confidence? Yeah. Absolutely. It gives you confidence. It gives you the clarity of what to post about. It gives your followers the clarity of what they can expect from you. And then the third thing is that, you know, talk about the algorithm again. It gives the algorithm clarity because if you are consistently posting about injury prevention for snowboarders through yoga, well, then it knows who the heck to show your content to. It ain't going to show it to skiers. It's going to show it to snowboarders who are in their 40s and they want to prevent injuries and they want to do yoga or physical therapy practices. So, the more clear you can get, the more you let the algorithm help you. That's that's brilliant. Like that was the worth the price of admission right there. <laughs> like that, if you get that, that's so smart and so uh, maybe obvious, but we skip it. I love, mm-hmm. love, love that giving the algorithm exactly more detail to work with yeah. to figure out who the heck you are to know who to serve your content to. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Okay, I love it. Um, this was great. I, we we I gotta wrap this up, but we end this with a, a segment we do every time called the Golden Rule segment. Hmm. Um, so we can get off topic here. Um, so you said you want to have kids one day. So when you have kids, uh, Lord willing, you have these awesome kids, and you're gonna teach them. You and your wife are gonna teach them all this incredible stuff you know about life, entrepreneurship, all this, all the things. Mm-hmm. But if they forget everything you teach them, those mm. darn little kiddos, except for one piece of wisdom or advice that they would carry with them for the rest of their lives, almost like a golden rule, what would mm. you want that to be for them? Got it. I love this question. I, uh, I'm i going to hope that they can visually remember it because it's tattooed in bright rainbow colors on my ribs. It's my only colored tattoo, and I hope I keep it that way. Um, and it's to find joy. Find your way. That's the shortened, condensed version of the golden rule. The longer condensed version, or the longer non-condensed version, would be to detach from the result and find joy in the process. Um, that's something I live by. That's something that guides every single thing that I do. Um, if it doesn't bring me joy, if it doesn't bring me peace and bring my family peace and joy, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it for very, for very long. I'm going to, you know, cancel that contract. I ain't going to sign it in the first place. Um, and so if they take nothing else away from me, I hope that they can remember uh, the, the funny tattoo I have on my ribs. Oh, I love that so much. And I, I personally receive that as that will, that's one that I am trying to learn myself. Uh, that is so beautiful and so, uh, so life-giving. That one mm-hmm. little thing could carry you for, to, to a lot of wonderful places. So that's good, man. I like Thank that. you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I hope it carries me to some wonderful places. It's taken me some fun places so far. I'm sure it will, man. Dude, this was awesome. Brock, thanks so much for the time. Where can people uh, find you and and interact with you? What's the best place for them to learn more about what you're doing and uh, have a conversation with you? Yeah, uh, MySpace is the best. MySpace.com forward slash Brock 11 Johnson. Uh, no, actually, I don't even have a MySpace, I don't think. I, I should I should oh, create man. one just for the sake of that joke. Uh, but Brock 11 Johnson across all other social medias is my handle. So Brock 11 Johnson on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, uh, even the new apps of Clapper and Lemonade, which <laughs> no one's even heard of yet. Um, every single app, Brock 11 Johnson. That's amazing. Well, you're probably going to get, you got TikTok right. So you're one of these other ones you're probably going to we'll get see. right. We'll so. see. We'll see. <laughs> I'm not staking my claim on them yet, but I am letting people know that they're there. <laughs> Fair enough. Thanks so much, Brock. This was an amazing conversation. Wishing you all the success with your businesses, your wife, your dogs, your family, and uh, excited for all that's in store for you. Graham, thank you so much. 
Well, hope you enjoyed that episode with Brock. I know I did. He was a real gem of a person. And you never know. When you see people on a stage, you think, like, I think he'd be cool to connect with and have a conversation with. And when that person actually is really, really cool in real time, it really encourages you that there are good people out there because not everyone you see on stage is the same uh, off stage. So it was great to connect with him. I learned a lot and hope you did as well. Uh, be sure to follow him on social media at Brock, the number 11, Johnson. Brock 11 Johnson. Uh, follow him. Like literally, there's great tips all the time, every single day. And he's really, really funny and creative. So thanks for tuning in. I always appreciate your time. It is so valuable. Have an amazing rest of your week. And I will see you on another episode real soon.